Good morning, and welcome to the radio broadcasts of the Brinesburg Missionary Baptist Church.
Amen. Amen. One thing I forgot to mention during our opening prayer time, uh, Mary Ruggles went home to be with the Lord yesterday, uh, and we uh, pray for her family. Uh, there will be no services, no public services, uh, but we did want to let the church family know about uh, Miss Mary and uh, pray, pray for her and her family's uh, comfort during this time. Uh, again, we uh, come to that time of the service, we're able to give back a small portion of what the Lord has so graciously blessed us with. And uh, thank the Lord for the opportunity to join him uh, in the work that he's doing through prayer and through giving. And right now we are focused on the Annie Armstrong offering for North American Missions. And we're excited to be able to be a part of sharing the gospel with those throughout North America. And this morning we want you to see a little bit of what's going on in Puerto Rico through our ministry.
shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me There's no wall you won't kick down Lie you won't tear down Coming after me Oh, the overwhelming Never-ending Reckless love of God Oh, it chases me down Fights till I'm found Leaves a 99 couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. I was guilty with nothing to say And they were coming to take me away But then a voice from heaven was heard That said, let him go Take me instead And I should have been crucified I should have suffered and died I should have hung on the But Jesus, God's Son, took my place. Crown of thorns, the spear deep in his side. And the pain, oh, it should have been mine. And those rusty nails were meant for me oh yet christ took them and he let me go free and i should have been crucified i should have suffered and I should have hung on the cross in disgrace, but Jesus, God's Son, took my place. And I should have been crucified. I should 
have suffered and died. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace, but Jesus, God's Son, took my place. I should have hung on the cross in disgrace, but Jesus, God's Son, took my place. That special music. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll be looking at verses 5 through 9 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, as we continue to study what the Lord has to say about the Spirit-filled life. Let's go to the Lord and pray together. Lord, Heavenly Father, we come to you today, and we thank you again for the opportunity to spend this time in worship uh, lifting up our hearts and our voices to you. And Lord, even now we are, are excited about what you're going to share with us from your word. And Lord, how it pertains to each and every one of us. How, how you touch on every aspect of our lives. It's, it's an amazing thing that you have given us a word on everything that we face in life. And Lord, we think, we're so thankful to know, uh, Lord, that we can live this out. And Lord, that we can honor you. Uh, even through the employment in our lives, even through what we do on a daily basis to make money, uh, Lord, that you can be honored, that you can be glorified in it. And so, Lord, today, I, I know I'm a very weak vessel. I pray that you might hide me behind the cross, that only you'd be seen, that only you'd be heard. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We continue to look at the Spirit-filled life this morning, and as we've already touched on uh, quite a bit, we, we see that to live the Spirit-filled life is to live a life where God is in complete and co- total control over every aspect of our life. There are no little hidden closets of our life that we've hidden away and said, well, I'll take care of this area. No, God wants complete control over every area. And so we've seen that he wants control over our worship. He wants control over the relationships uh, that are closest to us. We talked about the, the relationship between husbands and wives. Last week we talked about the relationship between parents and children. And this morning we're going to look at, at something that might be a little more uncommon for us to think about. Um, but Paul spoke about the relationship between master and slave. And in the first century, this was a very real issue. It is estimated that in that time period, there were as many as 50 million Roman slaves, uh, slaves within the Roman Empire. And since, uh, for the most part, we're pretty unfamiliar with the practice of slavery, I thought it would be good for us to see a few insights into, into what that looked like. John MacArthur uh, says this about the ancient institution of slavery in Rome. Uh, in both Greek and Roman cultures, most slaves had absolutely no legal rights and were treated as commercial commodities. Roman citizens came to look on work as being beneath their dignity. And the entire empire eventually came to a function of, of being uh, controlled and all the work coming from slaves. Uh, On the backs of slaves was how everything was done. Slaves were bought, they were sold, they were traded, they were used, and then they were discarded as 
heartlessly as if they were merely an animal or even just a tool. One Roman writer divided agricultural instruments into three classes. He referred to them as the articulate, which were slaves, the inarticulate, which were animals, and then the mute, which were tools and vehicles. And so a slave's only distinction being above animals or even a tool was the fact that they could speak. That's how lowly that the slave was looked upon. And since the system of slavery was so filled with abuse, God comes here and he instructed Paul to lay down the Lord's commands to both the slave and to the masters. And we want to look at those instructions for a few moments this morning together. And we don't have slaves in our culture. Thank the Lord that has been something that has been outlawed for some time within our nation. The closest we can come to the master-slave relationship really in our day is the relationship between the employer and his employees. And I believe that if we look at the, the principles that Paul lays out here for the master and the slave, that those are principles that apply to us still today. There is a, still a word here for each and every one of us, I believe, if we'll receive it. And so this morning, stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Let's look at verses 5 through 9 of Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, beginning in verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters, do the same thing unto them, forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. You may be seated. The first thing we see here is a word to employees. And we see this in verses 5 through 7. We see that Paul addresses servants in these verses, and that word always means slave. He is talking to people who were owned um, by a master. And they were bought, and they were sold, they were beaten, they were many times put to death, all at the whim of one of these human masters. As I said, thankfully... We no longer have slavery, legal slavery, uh, within our nation. However, many of you are still a part of the workforce. And you still have those folks that would be above you as a boss, as an employer. And so these verses tell us how we're supposed to relate to those who are over us in our secular work. And so in verse 5, we see how they are to submit. They are commanded to be obedient this word refers to one who waits for a command from the master and who then carries out that command. It was used of a porter who waited at the door for the sound of a knock so that the door could be opened immediately upon hearing it. It is a word that speaks of willing and expedient service, ready at all times, whatever the master says, being ready to serve without question, doing what the master has told us to do. This kind of servant jumps at the sound of his master's voice and does what he's told to do 
without argument and without complaint. And so this kind of obedience is to be carried out, we're told, with fear and trembling. The idea of fear and trembling does not mean that we fear the people that we work for. That's not what he's speaking of here. It means that the godly servant strives to do what is right out of fear of disobeying God, our true master. We will talk more about that in a minute, but your work in the world is actually service to the Lord. Regardless of what your work is, we are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're to submit to those who are in authority over us in the world and to serve them with a singleness of heart as unto Christ. That phrase, uh, wholehearted dedication, is the idea. We are to yield ourselves to our employers, serving them as if they were the Lord. And isn't, isn't that sometimes difficult? It's not always easy to serve our, our human bosses, is it? Uh, that, that's not always an easy thing to do. There are people who are hard to work for. Um, I'm surprised I didn't get a hearty amen from some folks today. There are some folks that are just plain hard to work for. They're mean-spirited, they're demanding, they're demeaning. Uh, many times they can be cruel uh, in the way that they treat their employees. As best as you can, though, as best as you can, look past the person And look past their issues and set your eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and serve him. Serve him even as you do your work here on earth. Recognizing that all that we do, whether you're working at a job or students, whether you're you're working at school, uh, performing your schoolwork, we are doing it not to get a grade. We're doing it not just to get a paycheck. We're doing it as service to our Lord. But then look at verses 5 through 7. We see how they are to serve. And according to these verses, your secular employment is just another means of serving the Lord. In verse 5, he says, as unto Christ. In verse 6, he says, as the servants of Christ. He also says in verse 6 that we are to do the will of God from the heart. In verse 7, he says, doing service as unto the Lord. That means that if the Lord has given you a job, and if you carry out the duties of that job to the glory of the Lord, God will bless secular work in the same way that he blesses sacred work. He'll bless it in the same way because it's to his honor. It's to his glory. Look, look at Joseph. Joseph was a servant in Egypt. Then he became prime minister in Egypt. But, but in all those times, he was a good example of understanding that we are not working for a human master. In all of our work, we're ultimately serving the Lord. It is a testimony of whose we are. And so he blesses the plumber just as much as he blesses the preacher. And he, he, he blesses the miner just as much as he does the missionary. And he will bless the truck driver just as much as he will the deacon. He will bless all who serve him and honor him in the work that they do because what we are doing is to his honor and to his glory. The key to the Lord's blessing is to see your work as service to the Lord and not to a person, not to merely a business, not just to merely gain a paycheck. But work as if you were working for the Lord because you are. Again, the spirit-filled life, every aspect of your life, every part of it is to his honor and his glory. And so your secular work is not for a paycheck. It's for Jesus. He says not to serve with eye service. That phrase refers to simply serving to impress when they're watching. It's the idea of, of working hard when they're looking but slacking off when no one else We'll see it. 
the Lord's will is that we would, would give a full day's work for, for, for a full day's pay. And even when the boss isn't looking, the real master is the Lord Jesus Christ. He sees what we do when our master here on earth, when our boss here on earth doesn't see, our master in heaven does. And he also says that we are not to be men pleasers. That word speaks of those who are smooth talking, slick suck ups many times. Uh, that's basically what he's talking about that. And we know those folks. We know folks like that. Um, it, it speaks of those who use flatter, flattery to try to advance in the job. Of, of whatever the boss wants to hear, here he comes. He's, he's going to tell them what they want to hear. That's, that's not what he's talking about. Uh, both of those actions are a manifestation of the flesh. They speak of someone who is walking in pride and who is actually serving themselves, not the Lord. They're just looking for advancement for, for themselves, not for the Lord. They're just looking to, to, to climb that ladder. Uh, but, but instead of seeking to remote ourselves, we should be in the business of serving the Lord Jesus Christ, doing what he has called us to do. Looking into those phrases, as unto the Lord, as a servant of Christ, doing the will of the Lord from the heart, with, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. All of those, all of those statements teach us that we are to see ourselves as slaves to the Lord first and foremost, that we are serving him and not merely men. When we go to work, when we go to our job, whatever it may be, whatever, whatever place it may be, we're looking at our work as service unto the Lord. You may not come to the office here at Brinesburg like I do every day, but guess what? You're still going to that place of employment to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't care what you're doing. If you're going to the plant, if you're going to the school, if you're going to the hospital, if you're going to work in the field, whatever it may be. You're doing it for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has folks that he wants you to minister to on any given day. We are to see ourselves as slaves to Christ. We are to remember that we will answer to him when this life ends. And so if we work for him, we will please him. And if our service rises to the level of pleasing the Lord Jesus Christ, surely, surely our employers will be pleased with our service as well. If we're working to a level to serve the Lord the King of kings, the Lord of lords, then I bet your boss at work is going to be happy with what you're doing as well. There are several ways that we can see our service to the Lord in this world, though. And that applies to, applies to what our job is, whatever it is in this life, whatever we do to, to bring home a paycheck. There are several ways that we can look at it. And let me just mention a few that, that I've seen this week. We, we can serve him out of discipline. You can serve him out of, out of a a spirit of discipline, and it's an attitude that says, I have to do it. I have to do it. And that describes someone who feels compelled to serve the Lord. Others will say that they, they serve him out of duty. And that's the attitude of, I ought to do it. And so that describes some who have a conviction uh, that they owe it to the Lord, and so, so that they ought to do what he has called them to do. But also we could serve and I believe this is what we ought to do, is we should serve him out of devotion. Serve him out of devotion. And that's the attitude that says, I want to do it. This best describes the one who is captured by the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the person who has been captured by grace, and they can't get over it. Anybody like that this morning? You've been captured by grace. The grace of God has, has, has so overwhelmed you. You can't get over it and you say, whatever it is, Lord, I want to do it. I want to serve you. I want to join you in the work that you're doing because you're worthy and I love you because of what you have done in my life, the way you have changed me. I want to serve you. We serve because we love. It's the way we ought to serve. 
We serve him because we love him. We want to serve him like Joseph served Potiphar and, and the warden of Pharaoh's prison. He didn't look at those men. He looked at the Lord. He said, I'm going to serve you. Even in this foreign land that I've been sold off into, I'm going to serve you, Lord. Now, these men are here, but I'm serving you. We should want to serve like the servant girl served Naaman. Whether we're, we're serving the Lord directly or whether we serve him through our service to our employer, we also do the will of God from the heart, striving to serve him in all things. But secondly, look at verse 9. It's a word to the employers. A word to employers here. Christian masters are told to do the same as their slaves. The slaves are to submit to their masters. And then we're told that the masters are to acknowledge the worth of their slaves through faithful treatment of them. Fair and faithful treatment of them. Saved slave owners were called on to care for those who served them. Because they were to be different than the world around them. They were called on to to a far higher standard than the world around them. And it changed the dynamic between master and slave because of what God had called them to. Paul described that kind of mutual submission when he wrote to Philemon. And in that book, that slave owner, uh, whose name we get the, the letter, the book of Philemon from, had a slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus had run away from his master Philemon. And, and he had stolen some things, some, some of his master's goods, as he ran away. And Onesimus goes to Rome. And while in Rome, he meets a man by the name of Paul. And Paul shares the gospel with Onesimus. And guess what happens? Onesimus gets saved. He, he comes into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul sends Onesimus home with a letter to Philemon, his master. And this letter, which is, is what we call that, that book, uh, calls on Philemon to forgive Onesimus. And to welcome him now home, not as just a slave, but now to welcome him home as a Christian brother. A brother in Christ. Now talk about blowing your mind. A slave owner being told that this slave who has run away and stolen goods from him is now to be welcomed home as a brother. But that's what he tells him. It's an amazing request. Most slaves who, who stole from their masters, most slaves who had run away from their masters and who were captured would have been executed for what they had done. If they weren't executed, they would have been tortured or they would have been castrated. There would have been some humongous payment, penalty, for their sin. But this is a call for Philemon to make his Christianity real. He is not to treat slaves like Onesimus as mere property, but he is to treat them as people who God loves and who Jesus Christ died for. Masters like Philemon were to realize that they have a master too. And just as their servants served them, they serve under the Lord Jesus Christ. And so they expected their slaves to submit. God expects them to submit to his commands as well. And so if the Lord has blessed you, and, and if you are in a place of authority over others in the workplace, if you're a business owner or if you're a boss, you need to take these commands to heart. It, it is far too easy for employers to take advantage of their employees. It is too easy for employers uh, to see their employees as nothing more than a means to an end, to, to greater profits. Employers 
would do well to remember that they also have a master. And one day they will answer the Lord for how they have treated their employees. And so while the masters can't really know what it is to be like a slave, the the master must respect his slaves. He is to honor their humanity and sympathize with their condition. And this is simply a call for for Christian masters to treat those under their authority in a Christ-like manner. And so like the servant, the master is to do the will of God from a heart. And the employer, like the employee, must be motivated by a desire to obey God and to do his will above all else. And just as the employee is to submit to the employer as unto the Lord, the employer is to exercise authority as to the Lord. And so this is the only way to, to fulfill this command of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. A Christian employer's first duty is to do the will of God and to manifest a Christ-like spirit in everything that he or she does. Every business decision must be based on God's standard of righteousness and truth and honesty. He, he must deal with the employees with an eye to their welfare and to, to the best interest. He, he must deal with them fairly because it is the will of God It's what he should do in order to serve the Lord faithfully. He is to respect them because the respect of his employees is respect and honor to the Lord. And so what is the relationship between the employer and his employees? He is not to threaten them. That is, the the Christian employer is not to use threat or violence or or, or to coerce his, his employees into doing what he wants them to do. He is to exercise his power over them as little as possible. In other words, to to, to lead with love, to lead with fairness. He must realize that his authority is, is temporary. It's given to him by God. Thus, he is to never be abusive, either physically or verbally. He is not to throw his weight around. He is to do all things with the sure knowledge that he is a master, but he has a master in heaven whom he will answer to someday. He is to treat his employees with the same level of love and care that the Lord has already displayed to him in his life. He needs to realize that in God's eyes, he is not more important than the least of his employees because there is no respect of persons with him. The Christian employer must not play favorites because God does not play favorites. He is to be Christ-like in all that he does. And so we've looked at the employee. We've looked at the employer, but look at verses 8 and then the last part of verse 9. We see a word about eternity here. And so in these verses, Paul draws our attention, um, not just to employees, employers, but, but, but to eternity. In life, we all occupy different places on the socioeconomic ladder. And sometimes we'll be at one place, sometimes we'll be at another throughout our life. But there is coming a day when all men will be equal you know, death, death is a magnificent leveler, isn't it? We all are going to reach that same place. And so one day, when this life is over, it won't matter whether you're an employee or an employer. What will matter is what you did with your life, the life that you were given. Notice how heaven looks upon this. Look at verse 9. We see how, how God considers us. How God considers us. Here God reminds us that There is no respect of person. God does not care more about you because you're an employer. He doesn't care less about you because you're an employee. Um, He could care less which place you occupy, but he has placed you wherever he has placed you to serve him, 
to have influence over the folks around you, to, to love those folks, to, to, to see if you can lead those folks to Christ, whatever the position may be. And so the best that you can do is to grow where you've been planted and to be faithful to the glory of God in that place. And so that is his will for all his people, regardless of their situation in life. God is not impressed with a person's position in life, but he is greatly interested in how a man uses that position. And so you can have a man who is, is, is cleaning the bathrooms, and he can have a greater gospel influence than the CEO of the company. Because he has used that position to build relationships. He's used that, that, that position to have, to have gospel conversations. And he's led a lot of people to Jesus. He's discipled a lot of folks. While the CEO may have become so busy with making money that he hasn't really built any relationships that would make a difference for the kingdom. And so that's the way that God looks at it. And so notice how God compensates. Look at verse, uh, verse 8, how God compensates us here. Paul reminds us that one day, the Lord will reward the faithful service of his servants. And you may not be rewarded. You may not be recognized or promoted or properly compensated for the work that you do here on this earth. But guess what? It isn't payday yet. If you're a believer, it isn't payday yet. And so the Lord doesn't pay off on the weekends. His compensation to where his children comes at the judgment seat of Christ. So one day, all the faithful service that you have rendered to him will be rewarded. Many of God's servants, both employers and employees, who have been faithful here on this earth to do what God's called them to do here, will hear those amazingly wonderful words, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but that's what I want to hear. I don't know, but that's what I want to hear. Whether I'm a preacher or whether I'm like I was in college and I, I'm, I'm cleaning bathrooms. I want to do it to the honor and the glory of God. And, and I want to be faithful in my service wherever he's placed me. So that one day I will hear from the true master, well done, good and faithful servant. And I believe that's where all of us want to be. That's when the obedient life will pay off, isn't it? When we hear those words. When we know that we have brought honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God always honors faithful service. And so what's the message here this morning? Well, the message for us is that we are all servants. We're all servants. We may serve men here or men may serve us here. But ultimately, we are all servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're servants of God. Every moment of our life is to be lived in service to his honor and to his glory. And so how is your servant life this morning? Are you serving him faithfully? Are you serving the Lord by serving others faithfully? If you are a person in authority, do you treat your employees with a servant's heart, recognizing that you have a great calling to take care of them and, and, and to be fair with them? If you're an employee, do you treat the work that you do like service to the Lord? Are you trying to rip off your employer? Are, are you cheating your employer by not giving them a fair day's work? Are you not working as unto the Lord? Let's make up our minds here this morning at Bryansburg Baptist Church. Let's make up our minds that we will use every opportunity that we are given in this life to faithfully serve the Lord and those around us. Regardless of where we stand on the socioeconomic ladder right now, we are all servants of the Lord. And so let our lives be lived to the honor and glory 
of his name. But maybe this morning you can't live that kind of life. You can't serve in that kind of way, whatever position you are in in your work life, because you don't have a relationship with Christ. You can't live that way because you don't have a relationship. And so today you need to come to Christ. Today you need to recognize your sin. And you need to recognize that you need to repent of that sin and turn away from it and turn to Christ. And if you will believe on him, if you will place your faith in him, then you will be saved. If the Lord is speaking to you this morning, you need to come. And you need to make that decision known to this church family. We're going to celebrate this morning. But some of us, maybe we need to come to this altar. We need to pray about opportunities to be able to share with our employees and to be, to be a, a, a good example of what Christ's love looks like. Some of us as employees need to come and we need to pray for the opportunities that we have around us to have gospel conversations with our fellow employees or maybe to live out that, that gospel witness before our employer. But whatever it is, what's the Lord calling you to this morning? Be obedient to respond to him. Lord Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to live a life wherever it is that you've placed us to your honor and glory, to live a spirit-filled life. Lord, uh, whether it be in our worship here on a Sunday morning or whether it be in in our family life with our husband, our wife, our son, our daughters, uh, whoever it may be. Or Lord, maybe it's on the day-to-day going in and to work and and living amongst the folks that, that we work with on a daily basis or the folks that we employ on a daily basis. Lord, help us to live that out to your honor and your glory. And Lord, for some of us this morning, we need to make a decision to accept you as Savior and as Lord. And I pray that today might be a day of salvation in this place. And there's some folks who can hear my voice right now and they know they're lost. And there's been a lot of excuses. And maybe they've been treated unfairly. Maybe folks that said they were Christians didn't live like Christians in front of them. But that's not you, Jesus. That's not you. And so Lord, I pray that they would understand who you are that you're always faithful, that you're always true, that you could always be trusted. And Lord, today that they might come to know you as saving us, Lord. Some of us need to come. We need to pray for folks that are placed around us on a daily basis. We need to pray for gospel opportunities. Lord, for some of us, there's other needs on our hearts today. We need to come to this altar. Some of us may need to join this church as, as the place to call our, our, our home, to work here for your honor and glory. Lord, whatever it may be, Lord, help us to be obedient in this time, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. As we stand and as we sing, we. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today from Bryansburg Missionary Baptist Church. If you need spiritual help with your relationship with the Lord, please call 270-527-3757. Also, we would like to invite you to attend our services. On Sunday morning, Sunday school begins at 10 a.m., and our worship service is at 11 a.m. On Sunday evening, discipleship training begins at 5 p.m. with our worship service at 6 p.m. You may also view our Sunday worship services live on Mediacom Inspiration Channel 93. On Wednesday night, our worship service begins at 7 p.m. Once again, thanks for listening, and may God bless you and your family.